Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You guys want to come on in and have a seat? Well, actually, we're going to stand for, for worship, so if you'd stand with us and sing. We're going to sing Promise Keeper. And I just love that we're seeing this on the first of the new year. I think it's really a great reminder for us that our God is a promise keeper, no matter what's going on around us. So sing with us.
honored by all that take place here this morning. You would stir in hearts. You would work in our minds to transform us, to form us into your image. And that we would bring you honor and praise and glory this morning. Praise all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us as we continue.
Peace.
Father. We thank you for your power, your might, your sovereign authority over all that takes place. That in that you sent Jesus to rule over earth, to rule over us. That we have lived our lives trusting your powerful name, Jesus. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're here. It's New Year's Day, right? Which means probably some of you at least are like, whatever, nine hours into New Year's resolutions. And like, according to one survey I read, about, about 40% of Americans make resolutions each year, which means that some of you probably fall into that, that 40%. And if you've made any resolutions, hopefully you haven't failed at keeping them yet. Like, like the most common resolution year after year is to live healthier in the year ahead, right? So if that was you, hopefully you didn't go to bed last night vowing to be healthier in 2023 and then wake up this morning and eat like two donuts for breakfast or something and you're already out. Right? So like hopefully you haven't failed yet if you didn't make resolutions, right? But the fact of the matter is most New Year's resolutions do indeed fail. Approximately 80% of all resolutions fail by February. And 91% of resolutions fail at some point during the year. I don't share that stat to make you feel helpless, but I think it does highlight how difficult it is to change ourselves through sheer willpower alone. It doesn't work. Right? There's, a, there's a reason the self-help section of the bookstore has more than one book in it. Like, if, if one book actually worked to help people change, like, the word of that book would quickly spread and everyone would buy that one book and then people would be transformed into the people they want to be and there would be no need for future self-help books. But the self-help shelf is crowded. It doesn't work that way. We can change like, behaviors through sheer willpower for a little bit of time. Like Every diet ever like, relies on that fact. Right? But, like, but fundamentally changing the, the kind of person we are is another matter altogether. When I was teaching fifth grade, right, we talked in science, one of my units was about the difference between a physical change and a chemical change. So a physical change is it's something like water melting or like shredding up a piece of paper. Right? The molecules that make up that substance don't change. So you can refreeze the water back into ice, or you can, you can put the paper kind of back together. Right? But on the other hand, like a chemical change is something like burning wood in a fire or, or mixing ingredients together and baking a cake in an oven. Like a chemical reaction takes place. And that... And some new substance is transformed. Right? Something new, something different comes out of the process. No matter how hard you try, you can't get pure flour back from a baked cake. You can't turn all the ash in your fireplace back into a log, no matter how much glue you use to glue it back together. It doesn't work. The substance has been transformed. 
And it, when it comes to changing ourselves, right, we're pretty good at the equivalent of a physical change. We can change the way we look outwardly for a period of time, just through willpower. But what we can't do is we can't, through willpower, transform the core of who we are. We can't, by sheer effort, change our deepest nature. We can try and try and try, but we will fail. Instead, what the Bible makes clear is that the, the only way right, to experience lasting, meaningful change is to be transformed by God. My hope is that each of us ends this year, 2023, different, transformed from the person we are as we walk in here this morning. My hope is that the, the changes that we experience, the transformation we undergo, like, aren't just superficial. We don't just change trivial things. Right? My hope, my prayer is that each of us in 2023 are transformed by the power of God to be people who more closely resemble Jesus. Right? That in 2023 we be transformed by putting sin to death in our lives. We'd be transformed as we embrace a call to live more godly lives. That's my hope for all of us in 2023. No matter where we're at in our journey right now, I hope that each of us would become more Christ-like in 2023. And so this morning, I want to look at just two verses in the Bible. Verses that tell us how we are to be transformed and what that transformation should look like. Those verses are Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have a Bible, I invite you to, to turn there. So next week, we'll jump back into our Luke series. We'll be in Luke 21, and we'll be in Luke through Easter when we finish out the book after two years, whatever it is. Right? But, but today felt like, on the new year, new day, like a right time to just talk about what the Bible tells us about transforming and being transformed. So we're, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say this. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, a good, pleasing, and perfect will. What we see in these verses, that experiencing God's mercy is what leads to transformed lives. Transformed lives don't come through finding a deeper source of willpower. They don't come through finding the right self-help book. Transformed lives don't come through meditation or mindfulness or the right diet or getting enough sleep. The only thing that will transform us, that will change us on our deepest level, is experiencing God's mercy. So this morning, I just want to walk through these two verses and, and first consider what it looks like to view God's mercy. And then look at two ways that viewing God's mercy should transform us. And for each one of those things, then I want to tell us like a way that we as a church want to encourage you and equip you to do them in 2023. Looking again at, at verse 1, the first thing we see is that we are called to view God's mercy. The book of, the book of Romans as a whole can be broken down into two main parts. 
There's Romans chapter 1 through 11, and there's Romans chapter 12 through 15. And Romans chapter 1 through 11, right? so everything leading up to what we read this morning, it's all about what God has done for us in Jesus. Right? Romans 1 through 11 are all about what we call the gospel, right? that, that we are sinful, that we've all sinned, that we've all rebelled against God, that we don't deserve anything good from God. Actually, what we deserve from God is, for our sin and rebellion, is eternal punishment in hell. But also that, that God loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us, even when we didn't deserve it. He sent Jesus to die for us when we were his enemies. And that by placing our faith in Jesus, we can have our sins forgiven and look forward to eternal life with him. That's Romans 1 through 11. That's the gospel. And then we come to Romans chapter 12. And the very first word of Romans chapter 12 is, therefore. And that word, therefore, points us back to the entirety of everything Paul has said in Romans 1 through 11 up to this point. That therefore of Paul saying, in light of everything I've said in Romans 1 through 11, in light of the fact that you were a sinner without hope, in light of the fact that God loved you and you were unlovable, in light of the fact that Jesus came to live a sinless life on your behalf, in light of all of that, this then is what you ought to do. This is how you should live. The theologian Michael Byrd puts it this way. Romans 12, 1 through 15, 13 can be likened to Christ's college, where Paul attempts to engender certain attitudes and behaviors appropriate for those for whom Romans 1 through 11 is true. Because of what God has done for us in Christ, this is how we ought to live before God. Paul wants those who are declared righteous and united to the Messiah to exhibit a set of distinctive behaviors that show they live under Jesus' lordship and are led by the Spirit. So when Paul says, therefore, at the very beginning of Romans 12, like, that's what he's referring to. And he goes on to say a couple, couple words later, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy... So in view of God's mercy is if Paul's five-word summary of all that Romans 1 through 11 is about. It's all about God's mercy. And as we look at it, as we behold, as we view the mercy of God, as we remind ourselves of all that God has done for us in Jesus, as we're reminded of the gospel, this then, Romans 12 through 15, is how we ought to live. But the order is incredibly important. We experience God's mercy first. And the experience of that mercy then transforms our lives. We don't, we don't through our own self-effort, seek to transform our lives so that we are worthy of the gospel. That we're worthy of God's mercy. We, we receive God's mercy, and therefore our lives are transformed. And step one in, in being transformed is, in fact, viewing God's Mercy. Right? And the, the practice of, of viewing God's mercy, of reminding ourselves of the gospel, should be a daily practice. The gospel is not something you believe one time and then move on to bigger, more important things in the Christian life. We need to view God's mercy daily. We need to be amazed by God's love for us day in and day out. In his book, The Discipline of Grace, Jerry Bridges puts it this way. 
when you set yourself to seriously pursue holiness, you will begin to realize what an awful sinner you are. And if you are not firmly rooted in the gospel and have not learned to preach it to yourself every day, you will soon become discouraged and will slack off in your pursuit of holiness. To preach the gospel to yourself then means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness and then flee to Jesus through faith in his shed blood and righteous life. It means that you appropriate, again, by faith, the fact that Jesus fully satisfied the law of God, that he is your propitiation, that God's holy wrath is no longer directed toward you. We need to remind ourselves of the grace and mercy that God displayed to us daily. If we're going to live the way God called us to live. But maybe you're here and you say, like, I struggle to do that. Like, I have a hard time understanding or appreciating all that God has done for me in Jesus. Like, maybe, maybe because you've, you feel like you've never really been taught the full scope of all that God's done for you in Jesus. You just know there's more you haven't seen in the Bible yet. You just don't have enough knowledge to fully appreciate it all. Or maybe you've known all that God's done for you for a long time, but like you've just kind of felt your, felt your heart go cold recently. Maybe the busyness of life has, has caused you to feel distant from God. And you want to be refreshed and renewed and reminded of the mercies of God. Or maybe you're here and you've, you've never experienced God's mercy. Maybe for you the, the concept of a, a merciful God is a, a foreign concept. Maybe you've always viewed God as judgmental and harsh and like anything but merciful. Maybe you've never understood that it's through Jesus that God shows his mercy by offering forgiveness for sins. And if any of those are true for you, if you've never trusted Jesus, or if you're new and you're trusted Jesus and you want to deepen your understanding, or if you've trusted for Jesus in a long time but want to kind of be refreshed and renewed in your faith, if any of those are true of you, like I want to offer a way to that 2023 be a year that you view God's mercy more. And to do that, I want to invite any of you here to, to read a book with me. That book is Essential Christianity by, by J.D. Greer. And the subtitle of that book is The Heart of the Gospel in Ten Words. The first nine chapters of that book, right, it walks through the book of Romans, Romans 1 through 11, and it picks out key words from Romans 1 through 11, and it looked at them and offered a fuller explanation of how we have to live and how we have to appreciate God's mercy to us through those key words. And the last chapter, the, the last word is, is the therefore found in Romans 12 that we read this morning. So if you're interested in, in knowing more about God's mercy, knowing more about what God has done for us in Jesus, or just being refreshed in your knowledge of those truths, like I'd invite you to, to join me in reading this. If you're interested, we're going to start reading it February 12th. We'll read it, we'll read it and then we'll discuss it together in the library during the Sunday school hour, so 10.45 to 11.30. The book will cost $12, but we don't want that to be a barrier for anyone, so if you 
that's not the problem for you, just let us know and we'll make sure you get a book. Okay. And we'll order the books and in bulk so we get a discount. So you kind of need a ballpark of how many to order. And so if you are interested in reading this book with us and joining me for a conversation about it in the library, like, I'd invite you this morning to just take your Connect card on the seat in front of you, just write, I'm interested in essential Christianity on it, and drop it in the box on your way out this morning. My hope for this book and for our time studying it together, discussing it together, is that everyone who reads this book, everyone who studies it together will be refreshed, will be renewed, will be just amazed anew at the mercy of God, the mercy that God has for us, the love that God has shown to us in Jesus. That because we've beheld God's mercy, we'll therefore set ourselves up to be transformed to live the life that God has called us to live. And we see what that transformed life looks like in the, at the end of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The first Paul says, in view of God's mercy, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. And that this is our true and proper worship. In response to, to viewing God's mercy, to remembering all that God has done for us in Jesus, our true, our proper, our right response, in fact, the only rational response is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is to say, we offer all of ourselves to God. We don't just offer Him the part of ourselves that walks into church on Sunday morning. We offer our whole life, all of us, our entire being is offered as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to God, to be used for His purposes, to His ends. If we have beheld the mercy of God, if we've been amazed by what God has done for us in Jesus, that's the only true and proper response we've truly seen all that God has done for us. Like, it's not rational. It's not true. It's not proper to say to God, like, you can have my Sunday morning. Right? Or you can have this part of my life, but I'm going to keep the rest. Like, that doesn't make sense if you've beheld the mercy of God. We're to give all of our lives to God in response to His mercy shown to us in Jesus. We'll see more specific of what that looks like in, in verse 2. In verse 2, Paul says, first, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not live the way this world lives. Do not chase after the same thing that this world chases after. In his paraphrase of, of this verse, J.B. Phillips says, stop letting yourself be squeezed into the mold of this world. This world tells us to chase after wealth, Chase after power, chase after influence, chase after your own pleasure, your own comfort. Place your own desire above everything else. The world tells us to, to work hard so you can earn money, so you can then play hard with the money you earned. The world tells us that we should go and go and go and seek our own fulfillment and seek our own desires and seek our own self glorification. We should seek to see ourselves treated as great and mighty and powerful. We should seek to make ourselves the God of our own life and not submit to any other God. That's what the world tells us. And Paul says, don't give in to that trap. 
in view of God's mercy. Don't be like that. Remember what God has done for you in Jesus. If you remember what God has done for you in Jesus, you'll see that the world's way of living doesn't make sense. If you've offered your body as a living sacrifice to God, then you are His and you do not belong to the world. So don't conform to the pattern of the world. There's a lot of ways in our world today that we can be tempted to conform to the pattern of this world. But in my experience, at least, one of the, one of the easiest ways to, to conform to the pattern of the world is the, the desire to fill every moment with busyness. To go and go and go. Whether I'm working or I'm pursuing my own hobbies or I'm doing stuff with our family. Like, it's easy to fill every moment of time and not leave time to stop and to rest. And simply be with God and delight in Him and worship Him. It's so easy to conform to the world call to go and go. And I have to believe that the same is probably true for, for many of you. That you struggle to not conform to the pattern of this world. That you struggle to live in a way that God has called you to live. We as a church and I as your pastor like, want, want to help us right, com- to not conform to the pattern of this world. I want to help us to be transformed by living the way that God has called us to live. So to do that later this year, we're going to start a, a new series of small groups that are called Practicing the Way. So Practicing the Way is, in the words of Dallas Willard, a, a curriculum for Christ-likeness. It's a series of, of nine practices that are intended to help us live the life that Jesus called us to live. Each of the nine practices, you can see them up there, the eight of the nine up there. Right? Each of the practices are, are covered in a four-week small group. You see them up there is Sabbath and prayer and fasting and solitude and scripture. The one that's missing is community and then simplicity, generosity, and hospitality. Right? Look at the nine Practices. Each one is covered in a four-week small group setting. I first made aware of these when, when Mel and Amy Ellenwood were visiting with us, and they talked about how they were doing these with their team over in the Czech Republic. They were finding them very helpful, so I was intrigued, and I, I went and looked at them, and I was just very impressed by both the quality of the production of these things and also, most importantly, the, the content of them. I just, as I watched them, became convinced that these practices would be something that could be deeply formative for us at the church. That it could be a way that God uses to transform us more fully into the image of His Son. So we're going to start walking through these practices this year at the church. And I would deeply, deeply encourage you, if you're a regular attender here, I know some of you are visiting and that doesn't apply, but if you're a regular attender here, to make it a priority to fit one of these groups into your life. Each one's a four-week commitment. And we're not going to do them back to back to back to back. Right? So it's, we don't want to be an overwhelming time commitment. We do everything we can to make as many times and days as possible so that people can 
fit them in their schedule. But we encourage you to make it a priority to be a part of one of these if, if possible. So the first practical start the week of April 16th, which is the week after Easter. And we'll have more information in the weeks ahead about how to sign up and how to volunteer to host and facilitate one of these groups. Right? For now, I just urge you to, to commit yourself, if at all possible, to be part of one of these groups. And to consider whether you might be able and willing to facilitate and host a group. So the first practice, the first practice I'm practicing the way that we're going to start in April is the practice of Sabbath. The four weeks of the, the Sabbath practice, like each small group will walk through the kind of four components of what Sabbath looks like, what it looks like to Sabbath. And it provides practical, tangible ways to go out week after week and make Sabbath part of your life. And I'm, I'm excited for this because I believe that, that Sabbath is a, a powerful and important way of of doing what Paul tells us to do here in Romans 12, of not conforming to the pattern of the world. And Sabbath is a way to say, I belong to God and not to this world. Yes, the world wants me to go, 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 24-7, non-stop. The world wants me to produce and consume, produce and consume all the time. But that's not how God called me to live, and I belong to God. My body is a living sacrifice to God, so I am going to live the way that God called me to live and not conform to the pattern of this world. So I'm going to Sabbath. I think there's a lot of probably misconceptions around what it means to Sabbath and Sabbath well. It's more than just a list of things you don't do on Sunday. And I'm excited to explore those things with you. In addition to the, the small group component of the Sabbath practice, I'll also I'll preach for four weeks on the Bible's teaching on Sabbath as part of that time. And my hope and my prayer is that right, the result of us walking through this Sabbath practice and each of the practices and practicing the way, that it will help us to be people who do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be people who are transformed. There will be people who experience what Paul called us to in the second half of verse 2. There will be people who are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That because our minds are renewed and because we are transformed, we will be able to test and approve of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. There will be people who know God's will for our life, that we will see that God's will is good and that we will therefore desire to do it. But for that to happen, right, we, we need to be transformed. And Paul says that our minds must be renewed. And one, of the, one of the ways for our minds to be renewed is by being careful about what goes into our minds. And to make sure that the most consistent, the most regular thing that goes into our minds is the Word of God. And so I said this at the Christmas Eve service as well. Right? But I would urge you, right, in this year ahead, as a way of renewing your mind to commit yourself to reading the Bible. And not just reading it, but taking time to think deeply on it, to dwell on it, to meditate on it, to let it soak your, and saturate your mind. Commit yourself this year. 
to your mind being renewed when you read God's Word. What that will look like for each person here will be different based on how much time is in your schedule and those things. So I would mention at an average reading pace, you can read through the entire Bible in a year by reading 12 minutes a day. Right? Which is probably like the amount of time that most of us have. And as a way of just kind of engaging you to, encouraging you to think about what it might look like for you to read your Bible this year. Like, I just want to tell you a little bit about what I'm going to do. And I, again, I shared the Christmas Eve, so if you were there for that, I'm sorry to repeat myself, but I think it's important. Right? So this year, I'm going to plan on following the Bible project, one story that leads to Jesus' plan. So it's, it's all about how the whole Bible points us forward to Jesus, and it has you read through the Bible, starting in Genesis, while also reading one psalm each day. What I really appreciate about this plan is that for each reading that they've made a video that pertains to it, they've linked that video to the reading. Those videos are all about how the Bible points us forward to Jesus. If you're interested in that plan, there are kind of two ways you can follow it. Probably the easiest way is if you get the, the version Bible app on your phone. If you don't have that app, if you just search Bible in your app store of choice, it'll be the first one that pops up. When you open the app, you can click on plans and you can search for one story that leads to Jesus. There's many other plans in there as well. If you want to choose a different one, like, by all means, feel free. But it's a powerful tool to find plans that fit what you desire to do with your Bible reading. So what's nice about the version app version of their plan is that all the videos that go with the readings are built right into the, the schedule. So if you go to the day schedule and just play the video for you. The other option right, is to get a, a hard copy of the plan. There are some printed out in the back on the, on the black bookshelf on your right on the way out. I've put a couple copies of this plan, only the first two pages, but it's like the first 90 days of the year. Um, there's also a couple other plans back there based on what you might be interested in. So there's a plan back there that's just reading the New Testament in a year. There's another one that had you read the whole Bible in a year, but read from several different books of the Bible each day to kind of keep things a little bit fresher so you're not bogged down in Leviticus and only Leviticus for three weeks. So I just encourage you, like, whether it's this or one of the plans back there, it's another plan you find on your own. Like, it's not hard to find plans if you search. I just encourage you and urge you to make it a priority to read God's Word 2023. To let God renew your mind as you consume His Word. To let God renew your mind as you think and you dwell and you ponder His Word. To let God renew your mind as you pray over His Word. That then you would be transformed as God renews your mind. My, my deep desire for each of us here that we'll look back on 2023 at the year that we were transformed by the power of God. That we'd all be transformed as we preach the gospel to ourselves daily, as we view God's mercy, as we remember all that God has done for us in Jesus. 
that we'd all be transformed by the renewing of our mind. My desire is that you would be transformed. So I just want to give us a couple minutes as I close here to think about what being transformed in 2023 may look like for you. Just a couple minutes to let us sit in silence. Maybe in those few minutes, it's time for you to grab the connect card in front of you and write that you're interested in the Exploring Christianity book. Or maybe in those few minutes, it's time for you to pull out your phone and download the YouVersion Bible app and search Bible reading plans. won't judge you for having your phone out. Or maybe it's time for you to sit and ponder and think about what it might look like for you to participate in the practice in the way small group. Maybe it's time for you to sit and pray and ask God to do work that transformed you in 2023. Whether you've been a Christian for years or whether you've still never trusted Jesus, like we all have things that need to be sin that need to be put to death in us, things that need to be enhanced in us. We can all stand to be transformed. I'm going to give you a couple minutes in silence to ponder what that may look like for you, and then I'll come back up and close. first step in any of these transformations is to be, to be made new. And so if you've, you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and to, to forgive you and make you new, to be made a new creation as Paul puts it. And I urge you to do that first and foremost, to, to ask Jesus to come into your life and transform you. Place your faith in Jesus. For the rest of us, whatever you thought about, whatever you decided in in the few moments I gave you now, whatever areas of your life God needs to work on and transform in the year ahead, my hope, my prayer is that 2023 would be a year you look back on 
You can say clearly in these tangible ways, I was transformed by the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you came to us. That Jesus came and he lived among us and he identified with us and yet lived without sin. So that we could place our faith in him. That he could take our place on the cross. He could pay the penalty for our sin. That we could be forgiven. We could look forward to eternal life with you. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us in our sin. You did not leave us in our rebellion against you. You did not leave us as your enemies. You came to us and we didn't deserve it. So that our hearts could be transformed. So that our minds could be renewed. That we could be forgiven. We could be made new creatures. Creatures to love and desire to follow your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you that you did not leave us. You did not forsake us when we deserved it. That you came to us and you transformed us by the power of your mercy and grace. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go here? Would you go out into 2023? Would you go excited about the work God is going to do in your life to conform you more and more into the image of of your of his son this year you are dismissed
see 